Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations with Z and Vin. Today, we are talking about problems and solutions. And we got on this topic, Z, because we've been talking about people trauma dumping, coming back. You haven't seen them for a while, for a day, for a week, whatever. And it's just like this endless series of complaints, and it hits you. It's not like bullets, which would be better because bullets would take your life quickly and just put you out of the pain of listening to this. But it's like wave after wave of complaint, which washes over you and you can't breathe, but you're not quite dead. And you're just listening to this. And it's sometimes I feel like, oh my God, just get me out of here. My skin is crawling. I, I need to get away. And as we've been talking about it, it's something that seems innocuous because it's so normalized. I've always thought of, I don't know if it's this country, this society, maybe the society, not so much a particular country, but but modern society, people feel like they've got a God-given right to complain. And it's almost like you take pride in your complaints that the waiter messed up your order or Starbucks didn't get the right amount of sugar in your latte or how dare she said that about me or I can't believe they treated me this way. Don't they know who I am? And... Maybe it's just that it's become so normalized, we get used to it. I've always struggled to understand what value it provides, either for the person who is launching into those complaints, and especially for the people around them. Because for me, when I'm in that situation, it's just exhausting. It's physically draining. I want to go and take a nap or just be alone afterward and and recharge. Not even that I need to respond, but, but just hearing it for some reason, it destroys me. And we can go into that in a few minutes. Maybe you have some perspective on why that is. But do you think about it from the standpoint of the person who's complaining? Maybe momentarily you feel some satisfaction, like you're reclaiming your power, you're putting other people down. But it really doesn't do anything for you as well. It puts you, as we've been talking about, in the state of entitlement, where you're expecting that the world is somehow going to bend to your wishes, and it's going to spontaneously organize itself in a way that satisfies your every need, which of course is impossible. And not only is it impossible, when we are in that entitled phase, it makes comfort and contentment harder to come by because we're always looking for something that's wrong. We're looking for perfection, as we've talked about in the past. That pursuit of perfection, that pursuit of endless comfort, means that we can never attain comfort because something is always out of whack with the image that we have in our mind. Or even if it's perfect, our whims are changing. One day I want something, the next second I want something else, and it's just a state of constant dissatisfaction. And this is maybe the true downside of complaints. And maybe this conversation itself is a little bit ironic because I'm complaining about people complaining, but so be it. We have to get on this topic. So please, maybe the audience can forgive me for going down this route. Uh, But you go back to the person who is complaining, and instead of a state of gratitude where you have reverence for life, you treat it as something that's sacred and divine, and there's a certain wonder associated with just 
existing. Uh, you can be attuned to the love that you have for the people around you, for the ability that you have to do your work, to express your passion, to stir up at the heavens, to write, whatever it is that that keeps you going. But if you can drop the conceptions of how life should be, at times it's awesome. It's awesome in a very literal sense. It's awe-inspiring. I remember a few years ago, I was out in New Mexico and was out hiking around in this canyon, and we were the only ones over there. And I was just staring, and I recognized that all the thoughts disappeared from my mind. All that mental chatter that's usually going on in the background was gone because I was just stunned in the silence, given the peace and the beauty of what was surrounding me. And that's there, maybe not all the time, but a lot of the time. Uh, we can take in this incredible journey that we're on. We can appreciate it. That gives more meaning, more profundity to life. Yet, if we go on the route of complaints and always coming up with problems, we take ourselves out of the moment. We lose that gratitude, that appreciation. And for people who hang out with me, I feel like running away. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. I don't know. Uh, but... A lot of issues that come up when we're always dealing with problems and we're not even interested in the solutions. Someone might present a solution, but we don't even care because our agenda is just to keep on going on, complaining and bringing up problem after problem after problem. So give us some perspective on this, Z. How did this whole trauma dumping, complaining, problem making, why does this come about? Then it goes to something we've talked about a number of times, but it's still relevant until it's addressed. It's like a disease. Until that disease is mitigated or addressed, we need to um, observe it, understand it, master it, find remedy. Entitlement breeds many uh, diseases that will fester and manifest into their own consumptive entities. You think about these problems, these endless problems people complain about to the point where everything is a problem. I would say, follow that Buddha teaching on suffering and walk it backwards. You think about someone who walks through their front door complaining about their day. Let's, let's picture the irony of that. You finish your day, you walk home, your loved ones are intact, you have a stable and warm shelter, your belly is full, abundance all around you. You have nothing to complain about. Now, take any of those things away. You end your day, your house is blown up, it's gone. So you sit under a tree and hope that your kids can uh, meet you in the park. They're all dead. Maybe you'll find a person you're familiar with that you can grieve with but they're nowhere to be found then all you can do is like you said in New Mexico look up at the stars and say damn I'm here and I have little relevance and I am the sum total of those around me that are no longer here so I'm the sum total of just the universe I'm just here and I'll bear with that I'll bear with me for a moment so at that moment, you realize there's no complaint. There's no complaint. All there was was memories of what you had. 
And then you get to go into your conscience. And when I had it, was I grateful for it? It's, it's, it, it, it is one of these things that for those of us who have opted out and we see the trends of the world where the news is a constant stream of problems with the world with no solution. Any solution offered is contested, beat down, a counterpoint is brought up, and it creates another problem. What about in the domestic life? You come home, you complain to your partner about random things. Oh, the door squeaks. The stoplight took too long. Think about complaints. Anybody? Jante, Kate, what are the complaints people walk through the door with? Just some of the complaints that give me some. Um, the door wasn't locked. The door wasn't locked. Well, that's not a complaint. That's a security issue. Okay. <laughs> so you guys need to lock the door. There was just a random crazy person walked in. Caitlin is, is feeling like a jokester today. So we'll put her in the bad room. Lock the door, Caitlin. My point uh, being those, are, the, the, those complaints are educational. Okay. Now what I'm talking about is abstract pettiness. Just the sheer pettiness. Pettiness is one of the collateral diseases of entitlement. Sheer pettiness. And as you encounter it, you have you 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 find yourself defending against it. And just the energy it takes to defend against it can draw you into it because now you've lost energy. You've exchanged energy in a petty altercation, a petty interaction with no real solution. And oftentimes when you, when you withdraw yourself enough, you find the real solution is withdrawing yourself from that. I think about, as I said, in terms of the Buddhist thinking, is don't, the Buddha says, don't be fooled by the transiency of human life. The human life is dynamic and moving and it's not permanent. It's never going to stay this way. You can never have things the way they used to be. If you understood that and you understood the fleeting nature of time, most of your complaints about people and about situations would diminish. Also, if you have a legitimate, at the moment, a legitimate complaint, is it more important to complain or to find a solution and accept the solution and move on? It's much more important to find a solution, resolve it, and move on. And then I would say to people too, go on a complaint diet. Limit yourself to five complaints a week about anything. Do a checklist of how many things you complain about. I know people that don't even know they're complaining. Their whole way of speaking is complaining. And those are the people who are shocked into reality when life expresses itself. So a friend of mine's celebrity guy, he dies. I'm going to the funeral. Shock G's dead. I was real mad at Shock G because of his drug use. I was real mad at him because I watched his brain dissolve. But I also knew there was no benefit in complaining about it because as much as it bothered me, it was his life. As much as it hurt me to know him as a friend and to see him do that, there was, I was powerless to affect his love of drugs. So at the, this last year or so of his life, I withdrew my interaction from him. I withdrew my complaint. 
I withdrew myself. I said, if you ever come around, I'm here. So I'm waiting, waiting. I've always waited for that phone call that he will die of a drug overdose or drug abuse or whatever. Then one of the celebrity people I know passed away from a drug overdose. I said, okay, Greg is probably next. Somebody said, oh, that's rough for you to do that. Why did you? You know, I stopped complaining and I started accepting. The solution was a solution I used on him years ago was to detox and rehabilitate him from drugs. That was the limit of what I could do. He made a choice to um, involve himself in that lifestyle. Accept his choice. Accept that his years will be shorter. It hurts, but it's not frustrating. So too, I talk to people in my personal life. And I hear them complain. I say, okay, what can we do to fix it? So here at Dharma Health Institute, we like to fix problems. And I'll say, example, Jante uh, has some stomach issues. So I give him the formula. I say, take this, you'll be okay. He said, ah, but it doesn't taste good. I'd rather complain about looking like starving Marvin, stomach issues, than resolve it. So I give him an option. Here is a solution to your complaint. Comply with this, and you'll have no complaint. But oftentimes, because of us, our sense of entitlement, we want the, the resolution to whatever frivolous complaint we have to be decorated in a way that appeals to us. So now we've added another problem on the problem. So not only do we not want the solution that's readily available, we want the solution to be packaged, gift-wrapped, decorated, and presented in a way that we enjoy the solution. So there's no hope in that sense. So what are we really complaining about? We're complaining about being alive. We're complaining about life. That's what we're complaining about. Because you know life is textured. It has good days, bad days, pain and joy, sorrow, grief, happiness, elation. Take any of those things away and you don't have life anymore. So if you want to withdraw yourself from things that pull life away from you, Withdraw your complaints. Withdraw your complaints. Reject entitlement. I've said that over and over. You have no right to people being kind or unkind to you. This just are. People choose to be kind to other people for their own benefit. We choose to project respect to people for our own benefit. Because it makes us, makes me, feel good as an individual to treat you well. It makes me take honor in myself to fulfill my promise to whatever it is. And these are not things that can necessarily be readily explained to others. But the more you reject entitlement, the more clarity you have. You see situations unfold. You don't always push to the front of the line because your needs supersede the needs of all other people. You don't do that. You don't behave that way. And if you don't behave that way, then you don't get 
the reverberation of your negative behavior. Because if you push me, I push you back. Slap me and I'll slap you back. Why do that? Why take us down that road? So if we reject entitlement, we become, again, more open-hearted, more magnanimous, more accepting. Our perception of the world changes. So I challenge anyone, when you, as Khalil Gibran, when you, when you complete eventude with gratitude, when you finish your day every day with gratitude, that you can walk through the door of your home or you end your day and the people that you care the most about are alive and well, then what in the hell do you have to complain about? When all over the world, billions of people, millions of people enter the, into death. Today is the last day for millions of people. And there will be millions of mourners of each of those people. Are you not happy that you're not one of them? Are we not in gratitude that with the whimsical nature of life, it wasn't my day? It wasn't their day? What is wrong with the mind of the entitled when you're just mad about everything? You're sitting there with 10 extra pounds around your gut, a car too big, a house with too many rooms, and all around the world, there is suffering. But it's not yours. Your life's easy. So what the hell are you complaining about? Oh, the door squeaks. A light bulb didn't have enough chili sauce on my chili flambe or whatever. And you know what? You're sitting there looking at the people that give you relevance and they're still here. Because when they're gone, you're not relevant. I was thinking about, you know, as I'm, I'm heading, Vin and I were going to go to this funeral. And I'm really grateful for Greg. I started thinking about it. Yeah, it's emotional for me. We had our issues, but he was my friend. I was the head of the security for two major record companies. I risked my life at times for shows to go on. And I don't feel like I'm owed anything because I signed up for it. And he was very generous with me, very kind, um, always inclusive. I despise the fact that he did drugs because I, I'm not a talented person. I wasn't born with unique talents of music and then I, you know, I, I don't have tens of thousands of people cheering for me on stage and things because I can do music. I think that's amazing. I think that's fantastic. I love being behind the scenes supporting that. But as I drive now in the world no longer, he's no, my friend is no longer in the world. And the other day I was coming into work and even though I had waited for his death because it was inevitable consequences, life would be shortened by his behavior. I heard his music on the radio and his voice is very clear. It's very plain. I know all the lyrics to the song because I was on stage with him many thousands of times. Spoke to him on many different topics, even more. He's not here anymore. 
not in this world with us. As I wrote to someone, I'll see you in eternity. If there's something on the other side, I'll see you over there. But here, I'm not going to see you again. So what in the hell do we have to complain about? We complain because we feel entitled to something we didn't work for. We feel entitled because our egos have run amok. And, 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 and we curse ourselves with the punishment of grief that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. Stop complaining. And when, if you have a real complaint, get a solution. Find a solution. Resolve the complaint and move on. If your car tire is flat, change the tire and move on. It's over. It's done. If your back aches, go to the health practitioner, resolve the issue, and move on. Don't make complaining a part of who you are. Because you will curse yourself. And not some mythical witch-born curse. You miss out on what you have. I acknowledge every day with the people in my life the gratitude that I have for their moment with me. You don't think that I have hauntings and I endure the grief. I can look at pictures now of groups of people and I'm the only one alive. I'm the only one alive. And each of those people were a part of the man you know sitting right here. And each of them dying takes a piece of me with them. Every day I think about them. Every day. And they have stories that connect my life to their life, that connect my children's lives and all of you. So every time I see you, I see them. But they're not here. They're not here. So I'm grateful for you guys. And I tell you that all the time. We're different in our own temperamental ways. Um, there are things that piss me off. You know, John Tay, for some reason, is slicing my heavy bag with a knife. It takes a little long time. Then you're moody. Caitlin is just generally Caitlin. But I've told all of you with an open heart, I love you. I'm, I appreciate you. And sometimes I try to reinforce and validate that with behaviors and actions that I take. Because I'm always... I'm always with that companion of those that aren't here. So I have nothing to complain about as it pertains to comfort and discomfort in this world. I try to be understanding of people that complain. So if, we, if I can fix your shoulder, your knee, or your back, or your belly, I'll offer solution. That's what we do with Dharma Media, right, Ben? We offer solutions to health problems. But the biggest health problem that we can't help you with is a deep sense of entitlement that the world needs to be the way you want it to be. It will never be that way. You are not a master of worlds. You are not the master engineer of all things in the universe. It is what it is and it works just fine with or without you. So you can get on board, enjoy the bumpy ride, and let's take this journey together 
with gratitude. So I'd like to unpack what you've been talking about, because you said a lot. You brought up some interesting perspectives, some of your own experiences, some of the things that you've seen other people struggle with. If you take just a purely rational perspective, there's almost never a reason to complain. I won't say never. I can think of two uses for complaints. And one is the one that you mentioned, which is you've got a problem. You don't know what the solution is. You're a seeker of knowledge. So you complain about it so that someone can help you fix the problem. Someone comes to CZ, my back hurts, my back is out of whack, I don't have enough muscle tone, whatever it is, great. You can give them a prescription, they can solve it, they can move on. And maybe there's some ongoing dialogue because there's some feedback, but that's category number one for complaints. Another category I could think of is maybe at times life is just so damn overwhelming that you break down and you need some release and it's just too much to bear. So you lose your job, you're, someone close to you dies, maybe you're diagnosed with some horrible disease and you're like, oh my God, why me? Why is this so bad? And maybe it's just a path to surrender. So an admission that I just can't take this. I don't know why this is happening. But again, that leads you somewhere. It leads you to, okay, I need to accept whatever the circumstances are and figure out some way to deal with it. So those are two, in my mind, legitimate uses of complaints. And maybe there's some more that we're not thinking about. However, if you look at the way that most people use complaints, it's almost as a tool for social exchange. It's like an activity. Like, let's just get together and have a gripe session. Or I'm catching up with people. The first thing I'm going to do is tell them everything that's wrong in my life. Then I'm going to wait for them to affirm that. So they'll say, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. That's so horrible. Poor you. That makes the complaints more real in my mind. And then I do the same thing for them. And then we leave the session and maybe we feel pretty good. We're on some complaint high. But we get back into that entitled mode and we lose the gratitude and we lose the ability to appreciate life, to put things in perspective. I mean, as you said, so many complaints that people have and so many issues that they have ultimately are petty. And the test of that is, do they survive the death of the person involved? If someone dies and suddenly all of your animus towards that person disappears, was it that real to begin with? I mean, if someone came and murdered my family, when they died, I wouldn't have warm and fuzzy feelings about them. But if someone screwed up my latte and they died, maybe I'd stop complaining about the fact that 10 years ago didn't get enough foam in my Starbucks cup or whatever it is. So we just get into these cycles where we're complaining for the sake of complaining. We're getting feedback from the people that we're interacting with, which supports this complaining. And one of the things you said to me is fundamental, which is, what are we really complaining about? If everything is a complaint, then we're complaining about life. And we're complaining about the structure of this matrix that we all exist in. The fact that we can't control everything to instantaneously comport to our wishes. That other people are continuously disappointing us because they don't have the ability to read our mind. And even if they did, they're not immediately going to fall in line with everything that we desire. So if you take that perspective and we're 
complaining about life. What's interesting to me, the interesting question in my mind is where does that come from? I mean, we talked about entitlement, but what is behind that entitlement, that sense that things need to work out the way that I think they should work out? And one thing I want your perspective on when I think about it, maybe it's a deep insecurity, a recognition that ultimately we're irrelevant, that we're at the whims of a universe that we don't fully understand. I shouldn't say fully. We're not even close to understanding. We don't know where we come from. We don't know what happens to us when we die. We don't know if we're going to wake up tomorrow. We don't know if everything that we care about is going to be ripped away. We know that we are ultimately insignificant cosmically. We're part of just the tiniest portion of a visible universe, the tiniest speck within time. And even the things that we can observe are likely part of a larger infinity with no beginning, no end. So ultimately, what does that mean for us? It means that we're irrelevant in that sense. I'm not saying life is irrelevant. I think life has tremendous meaning and value to us. But from a cosmic standpoint, we're irrelevant. From the standpoint of most people on this earth, no one gives a shit about us. They've got their own lives to worry about. And somehow it feels to me like that creates deep insecurity. And maybe we want to combat that through the entitlement. And we just have trouble accepting the nature of how things are. I don't know if it gets back to fear of death. Some psychologists talk about how that's ultimately the genesis of every fear and insecurity that we have, uh, the knowledge that we're not permanent and one day all of this is going to end. I think it, the idea that we are not permanent is very relief. You can find relief in that. Mm. If one is mindful, you can find great relief in that. If you knew that this is part of a journey of a soul. As I say, I'll see you in eternity. That's the road. That's Route 66, baby. We're just at a waypoint in that. That gives me great relief. I look at that every day, every day, because I have known so many people who have entered into the gates of death. I can name so many people. I could hear their voices. Hell, I got some of them on my voicemail. Hey Z, what's up? I can hear their voices. And what did they teach me is that this is just a waypoint on a journey, just a milestone. And that gives me great comfort and relief. Whatever it is, it's not forever. So that gives me an opportunity to enjoy it and not to hold on so tightly to ideas or notions. What I say for here, for us who are opting out, trying to be well, looking at our general well-being, looking at maintaining a certain level of health. Live your life with this type of enthusiasm that you're on a roller coaster ride to heaven or hell, I don't know, but it's a roller coaster ride. Hold on, enjoy the ups and downs, the twirls, the loop-de-loops, the quiet before the storm, because when it's time to get off that ride, you're getting back on that road to eternity. You're back on Route 66. This is just a detour in eternity. So lighten up. Stop complaining. 
don't buy into it. Again, I would say there, there can be a different narrative. If there's a problem, seek resolution to the mechanics that are, have gone awry. If your leg is broken, don't walk around and say it's a, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. No, go get that, that leg reset. If you have a, a, a disease of some kind, go get it dealt with. If you have uh, some emotional issue, uh, or some safety issue, address it and then move on. Then move on. Move on. Just like it's your turn in line, now move out of line, let's keep going. Because this is a fast ride. Whether you die at, at five or if you die at a hundred, it's too quick. And what gives you a lot of peace of mind and a lot of peace at heart is accepting that. This idea of insecurity, I don't understand it. I hear you talk about it, people talk about it. I don't know what that means, insecurity. I would say, I would replace the word insecurity with foolishness. Egocentrism plus foolishness equals insecurity. So don't be a fool. Stop being a fool. Stop thinking that this is forever and that you're really super relevant. The most relevant person in the world will pretty much be forgotten in a few years. How long did it take people to forget Micah Jackson? How long did it take people to forget 9-11, the Vietnam War? Whole generations have been born who know nothing about it. It has no relevance or significance in their life. Zero. Unless you have some old dinosaur like me running behind whispering in their ears. Blah, 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 blah. This used to happen back in my day. <laughs> it's no relevance. And isn't that the most unburdening thing in the world that you can just live your life, be the best person you can be, nurture it as long as you can, and then that's it. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Time for your replacement. Every time you hear the cry of a baby, every time you see a pregnant woman walking down the street, there's your replacement. That's who's going to be breathing in the air that you're taking away from them. Lighten up. And also when it comes to love and grace, gratitude, devotion, acknowledge with people when you meet them, good God, I'm glad to see you. In the Hindu Jew, they say namaste or namaskar. Just beautiful. I see God in you. I see life. I see the light of being. Not because you're there, but because I can acknowledge your existence means I'm here. You understand? That's what you're saying. Because I see you, I'm here. Thank you for that. There may be problems of a worldly issue coming up tomorrow. There might have been issues yesterday. But damn it, right here, right now, we're okay. And let's celebrate that, that, that moment. Let's celebrate the end of the day with gratitude. Why do we want others to be the way we want them to be? And we don't know what that is. We don't even know ourselves. We're not even self-realized. We say, you know, they should adjust to me. I'll be really happy if everything in the world supports me. Do you hear how that sounds? That's a fool. 
That's a fool with a large ego. Thus, they are now insecure because you know what? Truth kicks them in the ass. You take that pot of foolishness and that, that cup of ego, and then you throw in a dash of reality, and you have insecurity. You mean the world isn't here for me? You mean I'm not relevant? No, you're not. If you fell off the planet, nothing would change. I got a friend I, with all kinds of records and well-known, and they're talking about him. But you know what? I just checked my speedometer, and the world's still spinning at 1,033 and a third mile an hour. Earth is still spinning, 1,033 mile an hour. Nothing happened. The universe was not affected. My world is. My heart is heavy. But you know what? The sun came up today. If we accept that, we would, we would not complain about so much. If we just do our best, there will be fewer people complaining about us. If you know the next person is doing their best, you don't have as many complaints about them. And you don't take everything personal. But those are for intelligent people who are not burdened by the plague of egocentrism and foolishness. You see? So the next time somebody walks through the door complaining, you know that's a fool. You might love them, but they're a fool. And that makes it even sadder because you're in love with a fool. Do you see that I'm here? You should say, hey, namaste, baby. I'm here. You're here and I'm here. And we survive the cosmos. We're flying through the cosmos, spinning on a rock at 1,033 and third mile an hour, moving around a, a nuclear reactor at 60,000 miles an hour, moving through another universe at a million plus miles an hour, and none of us fell off today. We didn't even fall off. We're like evil Knievel. For you don't know, there used to be a famous stuntman named Evil Knievel that did all kind of weird stuff. Broke every bone in his body. We're just like evil Knievel because he didn't, he didn't realize we were already doing stunts. Ask any physicist. We should be grateful. And if you're grateful, you're less stressed. And, and you can enjoy life. You can savor it. Savoring life is like eating a good meal. Eat it slow. Enjoy the texture, the taste. Enjoy how it changes flavor in your mouth. And then meditate and appreciate the good cook that put that fine meal together for you. And then go deeper in your meditation and think about who you're enjoying that meal and that time with. And what a mo wonderful moment that is. That's life. So you can gobble it down like it's a Big Mac. Or you can act like you had Shea Fufu's and take your time before they hand you the $10,000 check bill for the meal. You understand? What do you think, man? Well, in my experience, what you're saying resonates. This idea that we take life too seriously. And maybe that manifests as some need for control. But there is a lot of liberation in just accepting how things are, accepting that we're here for a brief moment, that we're part of something greater than us. 
we can't even see what all that is, but we know that it somehow adds up to a whole. And it's a privilege to, to be a part of that journey. And it's also very freeing because, to your point, you fall off the earth and nothing happens. And we can zoom in. So that's the cosmic perspective. But you can zoom in a lot more closely and think about so many of the things that we complain about. What if we had the question in mind, what difference does this make? How does this really affect me? And we maintain that front and center. So I'm delayed in traffic. Okay, so what? Well, I might be late for a meeting. So what? Well, my kids are screaming. They're not doing what I'm telling them to do. So what? They didn't get onto the sports team that I wanted them to get onto, and it was such a big deal for me, and I played soccer, and I want them to play soccer, and maybe they won't. They're not going to follow in my footsteps. So what? No one gives a shit about you to begin with. And you think about how that could change interpersonal reaction or interactions. Someone comes home and they're late. Think about how much stress there is just from dealing with other people because of the weight of expectation. It's like you don't want to disappoint someone. You don't want to anger them. You don't want to get into a conflict. And that weighs on you. And that can be a self-fulfilling prophecy because then you're all riled up and they say something and you interpret it in the wrong way. What if we just cut each other a break? You know, you're late. It's okay. I can deal with it. You knock the vase off, vase broke. Who the hell cares? I'm still alive. Still got the people that I love. That's an exercise that I've been doing, which is just letting go of things that don't affect me. And I guess if you take a really cosmic perspective, as we said, you can accept everything, be perfectly content, but maybe start simple. Start in the here and now. And just ask yourself, why am I letting this bother me? Why am I letting this event or this idea of how things should be take up mental capacity, take me away from what's happening right now? And if you lighten up that way, in my view, it's a tremendous relief. So much of the burden we're carrying around is I need things to be a certain way so that I'm okay. Well, guess what? We can drop all of that. And we're still okay. As you were talking, Vin, I thought of a, a story I was told of a death row prisoner who had spent many years on death row. And while on death row, of course, he had different evolutions of his own self, a reflection on his life, reflections on the things he did, and he accepted that he was on death row. But every day of his life, he lived it knowing that this would be the last day, but he did it so joyfully. He planted a garden in his prison area that was really beautiful, that supposedly this day is still going. And then he thought about it. He says, you know, I need a little more time, but the state isn't going to give me time. So he studied the law books. And in the state he wasn't going to be executed in, they had a rule that every death row prisoner had a right to the last meal, whatever they wanted, they would get their last meal. So he did his research and he created a menu of the most exotic foods that were seasonal, 
a certain type of hummingbird egg and where it was available. A certain type of plant that blossomed at a certain time and how to cook all this together. Well, to array his last meal request, it would take about a year to get it just right. And he actually got another year. So they eliminated that deal. And I think about that because I say, can we live our life knowing that it's a gift, knowing that it's transient, and knowing that the gatekeeper of death is rattling their keys right over our shoulder and the shoulders of how would you treat? Would you order that rare meal and savor it and wait for it to come? Or would you bitch and complain? What would you do? And this again comes from the teachings of the Buddha. The lesson on suffering. And that lesson is there so it can allow us to be present Ask yourself before you complain as an exercise, do I have enough to eat? I'm not starving. Is my home intact? Are the people that are most relevant to me alive and well? If you can answer two out of those three questions, you have nothing to complain about. You really don't. And if you find yourself complaining, remember the formula of a fool. Ego, insecurity, foolishness. That's the witch's brew that destroys your life and the life of the people around you. Because in your face is a reflection of those you love. In your words are the statements of your heart. Think about it. So we've gone from problem and complaints to a different perspective, which is complaining is a bridge to something. In limited circumstances, it's useful. If it's not getting us anywhere, drop it. That's the opt-out view. Some of the remedies we talked about, limiting the number of complaints, five a week, whatever it is, keep track of it, and then just stop. Checking in, having that checklist. Am I loved? Am I around people I love? Am I healthy? That cultivates gratitude. And we talked about rejecting entitlement, accepting the way that things are. So if we can put all those pieces together, we can get past the complaints. We can get past the problems. And that's why problems are there. They're opportunities for us to evolve, to improve our condition. We can use them as such. Instead of using them as just a, a leech, which constantly drains us, takes our, our time, our sure. vitality. So I would just close by encouraging our opt-out community to take that perspective, reframe what complaints are, what they're for, and let's use them to move forward. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more 
at dharmamedia.com. Peace.